Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Moments That Made Me with me, your host, Roxy Nafusi. This week's guest is the absolutely sensational Frankie Bridge. Frankie is the author of Sunday Times bestseller, Open Mind, a podcast host, mother to two gorgeous boys, and was a member of one of the UK's most successful girl bands, The Saturdays. Her honest and open approach to mental health has garnered her over 1 million followers on social media, and I have been so looking forward to sitting down with her to hear her three defining moments. I just wanted to let you know that we recorded this episode at the beginning of lockdown, so the quality is not as good as the other episodes. I'm so sorry, but I hope you'll still enjoy it just as much. Frankie, thank you so, so much for coming on Series 2 of The Moments That Made Me, and I am so excited to hear your journey because I have honestly been... Well, I, we're sort of the same generation, and I've been a fan of yours since the S Club Junior days um, and watched your whole journey and you are one of the few people in the public eye that is so open about mental health um you know you're so authentic in the way that you speak to people and you've changed so many people's lives and the feedback from your book and your podcast I mean I'm always reading it and it's phenomenal so thank you so much for coming on I can't wait to hear about your moments <laughs> um, yeah I know oh god there's been loads of moments and most of them people have seen as well so that's weird <laughs> Great. well should we start with your first defining moment yeah um I think for me it it was before S Club Juniors. I um, I used to, because I used to go to like a local stage, stage school in Essex. So I used to go for auditions all the time. And I was that kid that would get down to like the final two or final three people and then not get the part. Um, and I was quite resilient as a kid. I think I was just a bit like, that's what happens. And you just keep going back. And, you know, then there was no like X factor or anything like that. So it was like cheese string adverts or like <laughs> musical theater. That was like it. That's all you were doing. Um, and I went for the part of Annie and I really, really wanted it. Um, so it put me up for her and you know, as a kid, I loved the film. And for me, that was like the ultimate dream part for some reason. Yeah. And um, I went up for that and the auditions lasted for ages. And I got down to the last three again. And in the end, they said to me that I looked too healthy for the part. Um, and I was just like, well, I've kind of looked the same from the beginning of the audition. So I was just a bit like that pissed me off from such a young age. Yeah. And I was, and I was, devastated it was the first audition that I came home from and like I remember just laying in bed with my mum and just sobbing and just like that was the part I really wanted and then it's funny now when I look back because I was never really a big believer in things happen for a reason whereas obviously now I'm older I completely see that they do yeah. and I would have I would have had to have had my hair cut and dyed to look like Annie and I was starting secondary school so I would have started with this like complete <laughs> like different look to what I look like and then S Club Junior auditions happened and I went for them and I got that part and had I have got Annie I would never have been in S Club Juniors and therefore never have been in the Saturdays and had this career that I've had. Oh my, that was like your sliding doors moment. Yeah, 100%. Like it's so, you know, at the time I couldn't see a positive from it. And then once I got into S Cup Juniors, I realised 
that that was supposed to happen for a reason. I was never supposed to be Annie. I was supposed to be an Escop Junior. I love that. And I think actually it's so funny because quite a lot of um, the moments that we've had is things not going how you expect them to and then that getting you something better. And do you think that you learned that then? And then did you keep that in mind as you grew up and think when something went wrong, did did you come back to that and think maybe this is meant to be? Yeah, I do try to. Obviously, sometimes you can't at the time, but it has always stayed there. And I think it's something that I will always tell my kids. And I like to tell because I think for so many of us now and, and, and it gets younger and younger, the pressure is on to be able to do everything and to be the best at everything. And that is always kind of like my lesson to people in that, you that thing at that time might seem like it's everything but you have to have the faith that further down the line something's going to happen that is actually meant to be so I do I do try and keep that in in my mind you know and it did help me through when Escob Juniors finished that there would be something I didn't know what it would be um and then the Saturdays happened and I think that's always been my thing is that I didn't get any, but then I got into S Club Juniors. And then because I was in S Club Juniors, I ended up in the Saturdays. And then because I was in the Saturdays, I've ended up being able to do all the things that I've been able to do. I mean, what a great first moment. I'm actually just fascinated by, I mean, you got into S Club Juniors. At how old were you? Uh, 12. 12. I mean, and then you were just put into the spotlight at such a young age and that's an experience that not that many people will ever go through so what was that actually like um you know what I think I was so young that it was just you know when you're younger you don't realize what's happening really I just for me it was like oh I'm get I'm getting singer dance which is something that I love I don't have to go to school every day I mean we were homeschooled but you know um and that was it really and there was no there was no social media um there was no online tabloids so I had no idea what people thought of me or whether they thought our band was good or bad you know Um, yeah so I was kind of in this fun bubble like I just enjoyed myself it wasn't really until I got older that I realized gosh we did like two or three arena tours and um, we performed on Top of the Pops and I lived in Barcelona for three months. You know, like when you're young, you just do it. And now I'm older, I'm like, wow, I've lived some ridiculous life at such a young age. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. And how long did it go on for? Um, I think it finished when I was about 16, um, 15, 16. So it, it was quite a while. And it was, you know, in that important part of growing up I kind of went from a child to a teenager Um, and when it finished I was definitely a bit lost in that I didn't really know who I was because I'd spent every day being told where to be what time what I was doing what I was wearing and you know it wasn't until it finished and I got signed on my own and they were kind of like, oh, now you can decide what music you want to be do and how you want to dress. And I was just like, I don't actually know. Yeah, because those are the sort of 12 to 15. And you're, you're defining years in terms of finding your self-worth, who you are, your self-esteem. I mean, and how, how were you feeling at the end of that in terms of your self-worth and self-esteem and things like that? Um, I was really insecure I think just coming out of being in a band so you have this safety in numbers and you know there was eight of us and then you all of a sudden go to being on your own and I was so self-conscious like I had everything I'd always wanted I'd wanted to be a solo artist and then I had that opportunity and I just couldn't do it like I did little performances and they were terrible because I was just so nervous and so self-conscious. I couldn't perform how I used to. Um, And as I said, like I'd go shopping and I wouldn't really know what clothes to pick because I didn't really know what I liked or I didn't know what music to listen to. So how could I decide what kind of album I wanted? And I don't, it, I don't know, it's weird. You, you kind of get used to being surrounded by 
other people and you kind of forget who you are on your own. Of course. I kind of think it's like, you know, when you've got tons of people around for Sunday lunch mm. and then everyone goes and the house feels really quiet. Yeah, it's exactly like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what was your second defining moment? Um, I think for me... Um, it's kind of less of a positive one, but it definitely defined me is having my breakdown um, because, you know, I kind of suffered the ultimate rock bottom and then built myself back up again. And it, it kind of changes the way you view your life and yourself. And um, yeah, it's obviously a really big thing to happen at such a young age. I was only 21. So I would love to hear and for my listeners to hear kind of what the lead up to that was. Coming from Escop Juniors, I had a really nice gap in between where I just got to hang out with my mates. They were all at college and I just kind of like bummed around for a bit. I worked in a shop, worked in a bar and I lived a kind of normal life, as I would say, for, for a couple of years. And then I got into the Saturdays and, you know, I'd always suffered with anxiety from I kind of say I came out of the womb anxious like that's just who I am um so I feel like a lot of people think that my anxiety and my depression is because of my lifestyle you know being in the public eye and it definitely makes made it worse but it was who I was anyway and and I think then at the point of being in the Saturdays you know I was a bit older I was more aware of the situation I was in the pressures that came with that um and then social media became a thing and online um uh online newspaper things could be written about you so quickly Mm. and 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 you're learning so much about yourself you know I was like 17 I think when the Saturday started so that's again like a big age where you're figuring out what kind of relationships you want um what kind of person you are what you want in the future and whilst doing all that making mistakes and things in the public eye yeah um and I think it just got on top of me I just started um I would come home I it's weird like at work I was able to switch everything on and be whoever who I thought everyone wanted me to be mm. and then I would just go home and just crumble and I'd get home I couldn't even eat dinner I'd just get in bed and then just cry myself to sleep and you know that's not a life that's not a way to live and it took me I'd say I was like that for a good two three years before I did anything about it wow and did your bandmates know what was going on no not really they knew I was anxious mm. um, but they didn't know the full extent of it and it, it's crazy how good people are at hiding mental health problems um, it's so weird how I could just switch it on and I and I found I became two people so I was Frankie from the Saturdays at work and then obviously I was just me at home whereas they used to be one person they really became two different entities and it once I realized that I realized that I was I was in trouble because that had never been the case before and I just got to the point where I wasn't coping with everyday life I was feeling like I didn't really want to be alive I thought it would be best for everyone else if I wasn't um, and I felt like that would be the only way to quiet my mind because I wasn't even sleeping. So there was just no let up from all the different conversations that were going on in my brain. Oh God, it's so, does it make you sad thinking back to like you then? Cause I mean, I feel sad for that Frankie then that's just so lost and doesn't see a way out. Yeah, I do. I think, um, I feel sad that I was in, again, a, a, an, another amazing situation being in the Saturdays. And, and I still loved it. This is like always my thing is I don't want people to think I hate, hated every second because I didn't. Yeah. I was still doing the thing that I loved. And I suppose that was something that kept me going as well. Um, but yeah, I feel sad that I couldn't just appreciate the situation I was in because there was just so many other things that were in the way. Like I'd be on stage and I'd be thinking, God, I bet everyone thinks I'm rubbish or everyone thinks I'm a bad person or I bet everyone thinks I'm fat. And I really suffered with body image. Um, 
I had a bit of an eating disorder around that time, um, which I didn't really realize until I got pregnant with my first son, just how much I restricted my food. But I also had no idea that I did it, if that makes sense. It was just a way of life. Right, you were just used to it. Yeah, it just, I, I just would, I basically lived on full fat coke to give me energy and then would like eat small things if I had to, but it just wasn't really a part of my day-to-day life. Um, I think how we can get so used to something that we just absolutely just take it as normal. Yeah. And then you're like, what was I thinking? Like, that is not a way to live. Yeah, but I just didn't, yeah, it just, and it's amazing how I was able to carry on that way. Uh, But for me, in my mind, that was, for me, I think my body ended up being my confidence, almost. Mm. That was like my armor. Mm. And although I was really, it's so weird because I was so painfully self-conscious of my body, yet I would get on stage and wear hot pants and a crop top. Like, I can't explain it. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I couldn't understand more. That's so weird though, isn't it? Because I know you do a lot of stuff on body image and you yeah. posted it today or yesterday. Yeah, today, yeah. Yeah, and it's mad because I would look at you, obviously you wear crop tops and things and you, your body is insane. And I would be like, well, how is she even self-conscious? You know, she wears that stuff. And, and I'm sure people think that way, but I was exactly the same. I was getting up on stage in front of thousands of people strutting around like I was really confident yet inside I was so painfully insecure about my body it's strange I feel like sometimes when you're really insecure about something in particular like for example your body which I mean I've suffered from really bad body image issues as well and but you because it's the thing that gives you the most pain it's the thing that you need to have validated Mm -hmm. so you end up posting a picture in a crop top or walking on stage in hot pants because then you you want to be validated on the thing that makes you feel the most shit, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that does make sense. You were saying just before when you were like, it's not that I didn't enjoy, have the times I really enjoyed it. And I think that's it with any kind of mental health thing or um, if you have body image issues or you suffer from depression or anxiety, it's not that you're like that 100% of the time. So some days you can be extremely self-conscious, but then you will get a day where you do feel really confident and good. And that's the day that maybe you'll post a picture or um, you'll do something. So that, and that's why, isn't it, the social media and things on the outside are not a really a clear representation because they're just moments, but there are so many other moments that happen yeah. simultaneously. And I think as well, that's what a big thing of, and that's exactly the same with like press and interviews and TV interviews and stuff as someone in the public eye is they are just snippets of someone's life. And you know, I would have things written about me or said about me and I would, I found that really difficult at the time. And, you know, you know what people are like, we read things. I know how the whole thing works, but I will still read things and believe things that might not necessarily be true or the same as looking on Instagram. I know how the whole thing works, but I will still look at someone else and think, oh, they're perfect. Their life is perfect. And I think, um, for me that was a big a big thing that led up to my breakdown is that I felt like I had to be a certain person for everyone and that wasn't who I felt like inside and ultimately I just couldn't I couldn't keep it up any longer you know I was basically living a lie pretending I was this happy confident person every day and then just going home and being a shell of myself and by the time it got to my doctor's suggesting that I go into hospital, I would just, I was so relieved. I was scared, but I couldn't, I didn't have the energy to be able to keep myself alive anymore. That's how it felt. It felt like such a chore that I was quite happy to hand my life over to someone else and say, look, it's your responsibility now. It's, you do it. And it's weird when I look back to that, but that's basically the point that I got to really. And so what happened then? Did you go to hospital? Yeah, so I went into hospital. Um, I was supposed to be there for three months, but we had a tour booked, so, which I was determined to do. So I ended up only being in for a month. Um, but there's a lot that I don't remember, but there's also, I, I see that time 
really fondly um, because I felt really secure and everyone in there was suffering in their, in their own way. So it was no longer something I had to hide. People would talk about medication openly. I would do group therapy sessions, which for someone that had been in the public eye seemed really scary at first, but it was so nice being in a room full of people who didn't care what life anyone else led or who they were or what they did. And actually we all just saw each other for face value of, of who we were. And I think that was really refreshing for me at the time. And then the reason I chose to speak about my depression and my stay in the hospital was because at the time it just wasn't really spoken about. Mm -hmm. um, I think Stephen Fry was the only person that really spoke about his mental health. And people just assumed that I had gone in for some sort of addiction, which <laughs> is fine. But it just showed me that that was the only thing that people thought that you went into hospital for. It was either addiction or um, some sort of um, eating disorder. Yeah. I felt like I kind of needed to put it out there. And how did you put it out there? So I did an interview with Glamour magazine. Um, jo Elvin was amazing. She had like a real understanding about mental health and... Mm she seemed like the perfect person to do it with. And when I did it, when I look back now, it was probably too soon. Um, I was still really, really skinny. I still wasn't really eating well. Um, I was still, you know, not very recovered. It was quite soon after coming out of hospital. But for me, it felt important at the time to be able to tell the fans, this is why I haven't been around for the last month, um, to kind of put it straight with, the press um but also just as a way of saying to people look my life is amazing yet I have this illness and this is how I feel so I, I suppose it was kind of my first start of the journey of kind of trying to change the narrative on how people feel about mental health wow and how were you nervous when you was about to come out yes because like as I said like it really wasn't spoken about and when you're in a pop group, you're there for, to entertain, you know, you're there to make yeah. people smile and for people to have a good time and to kind of turn around and have a serious conversation and something that's maybe not so happy-go-lucky. Um, I didn't know how that was going to be received and, and mental health wasn't spoken about like it is now. So I thought I'd get a lot of um, stick I did get some, but mainly it was positive and people still come and talk to me about that article now. So, Wow. Back then it wasn't spoken about, like you say. And it's the thing, when you talk about mental health, I mean, you must get that, this word a lot where people go, wow, that's so brave. Mm. And I always think, I think because now it comes really naturally, I think, God, oh, I don't know if it's brave. But then the first word that I think of, I think, God, that is so brave. And that's so courageous of you to do that. And that's so, and I think of all those adjectives and now it makes sense to me in a way. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I'm like, that is, it's such a big thing to do. And still at such a young age as well. Yeah. Um, how did your family and friends feel when, when it came out? Um, I think... Everyone was nervous for me, again, because it wasn't spoken about. Mm. Um, and it, I, like, it wasn't something that people in my situation did. And there was still like, you know, of people I worked with, it was right, don't talk about medication. And then I kind of did that article and then it was like, right, let's not talk about it again. <laughs> so, it, you know, it, it was so different to what it was now. So that's what I did. I just did it and then that was it. I didn't talk about it again. Oh, um, wow. For how yeah. long? Friends and family, they were, they were proud of me and I think they were just happy to see me getting better. I think it was a big shock for everyone around me, for me to go into hospital and to be the way that I was. And for them, I think it was just a relief that I was out and kind of coming back to some sort of normality. And so with the, because the hospital visit, I think what really strikes me is when you describe your time there. Am I right in saying it was one of the first times you felt not only safe, but an ability to just be yourself with no pretense and no being Frankie from the Saturdays. Yeah. Um, and then was your journey after that, you sort of come out of the hospital and you go back to 
um, your tour. Was your journey of sort of self-development journey kind of getting to that place where you could just be Frankie and not just Frankie from the Saturdays all the time? It was a really long one, um, to be honest. They had to put a lot of things in place um, to make it possible. So, I mean... Like, I'm always very aware I was in a really great position to be able to, this was, I paid for it all privately and, mm. um, and uh, Wayne at the time had a house in London. So we stayed in London. So I had less of a commute to work. Um, my tour manager at the time was the only person that would pick me up and drop me off for things. So I was always with someone that I knew mm. and I had therapy still like every other day. I had singing lessons to help with my confidence. And I was eased back into work really gradually. Mm. Um, and then the first gig that I went back to do, I ended up having a really big panic attack in the sound check. So I didn't do that. So there were, there were setbacks of going back to work. Um, but for me, the ultimate goal was to do the tour. And by the time we got to the tour, I did feel more myself. Um, I love rehearsals. You do like a month of rehearsals and we had dancers and they're all dancers that we knew and they always have such a great energy and no one really, no one really asked me loads of questions and just kind of accepted the new me. Like I wouldn't go to lunch with everyone. I'd kind of stay at the place and have my own soup because that was like all I could eat at the time. Um, I started smoking weirdly. Um, which everyone thought was so weird but everyone just kind of left me to it you know they didn't ask many questions and I did slowly become one person again if that makes sense so I think it was the best thing to do was get back for the tour because I don't think I would ever gotten over missing that yeah of course and also you loved it you yeah. know, you love performing and that's, that is a part of you as well. Yeah. So to be able to do that was probably, and it gave you some focus, I imagine, which I think is really important when you're going through any kind of mental health journey is to have a, have a passion to kind of nurture. Yeah, exactly. And I think I look back now and, you know, I'm quite a few years down the line now and the reason I see it as a defining moment in my life is it's, it, you know, I had hit rock bottom and I managed to claw myself back up slowly. And it kind of has taught me that, you know, things can get better and people see mental illness as a weakness. But I think if anything, people with mental illness are stronger because you feel crap every day or you have these things constantly going through your mind yet you get up you you know you go to work you do the things you need to do and you're still here you haven't given up and for me it's made me realize that I'm stronger than I think I am I love that I love that yeah I mean I couldn't agree more I think when you go through when you feel depressed or you feel anxious or whatever, it's so, so exhausting. Mm -hmm. Just getting out of bed feels like such an effort. And you have to really make a decision, don't you? Where you make a decision that I want to be happy again. I actually, I want, I know it's going to take work, but I want to get to a place where I feel good again. And that takes a lot of work, a lot of commitment. And exactly that is a school that all signs of real strength. Mm -hmm. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Baffled, a brand new podcast bringing you some amazing facts that are complete nonsense. Imagine the likes that would get on Instagram, you having a quick one up a lamppost on the moon, incredible. <laughs> so you basically <laughs> saying the reason the dinosaurs stopped living is because they all collectively made a decision to have no more children. Oh, they're talking, I think until 10 years ago, I, I still shared the bathwater that my parents were in. You can find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search for Baffled Amazing Facts. Um, so what is your third defining moment? Um, I feel like it's a bit of an obvious one, but it is definitely one for me was having Parker, my first child. Obviously having both of them, but I think... Um, your life and everything changes so much when you have that first baby. Um, And I, until I did the the trek in Namibia for um, Comic Relief, Mm. um, I hadn't had a panic attack since having Parker and he's six now. Wow. Yeah. So he really, I think he just put things, a lot of things into perspective for me. And he really helped to change me as a person. In what kind of ways? I just, so a lot of my, and I've only realized this since writing my book, is that a lot of my issues come down to control. You know, eating, that ends up ultimately coming down to needing some sort of control. Mm. Um, And just a lot of my anxiety comes down to people around me being happy and healthy. And... I can't, ultimately, I can't control that. I can control it, you know, like 2%, but the rest is completely out of my hands. And when I had Parker, it just made me see the world in a different way. I I realized that I can't control everything. Although I had this tiny little baby that I never want to see him sad. I never want him to be cry. I never want him to to be sick. Um, But I realized that, you know, they are going to fall over. They do climb that step that you don't want them to <laughs> climb and they fall and bump their head, and but they get back up again. And um, he also taught me the small things, like they find the smallest bits of joy and the most simplest things, you know, like bubbles or jumping on the trampoline. And they're the things that as an adult you forget, you know. And I'm not saying, oh, every day I find the joy in everything, but, you know, he... he it was just always a real reminder of that, of that you can still be happy with the simplest things and um, I can protect him as much as I want, but all these things are going to happen to him whether I like it or not. Totally. And I love, I think it's so true about kids. I think it's because they're so much, they're so present and they're so in the moment. Yeah. They always say, I think we can learn. I mean, we teach our kids so much every day, but, but we learn just as much from them. Mm-hmm. Because we all kind of want to get back to our childlike selves in a way. Because when we were kids, before you know, before you you were saying you know when you were doing those auditions in the beginning, and you were just strong, and you didn't you know, if you didn't get it, you were like that's all right. And in a way, in a sense, we're all trying to get back to our childlike selves. Yeah. Um. So I'm really interested to talk to you about body image because I talk about it so much, and um, you know, you have been open about suffering from, yeah. from you know near on eating disorders and etc how do you how have you overcome it and what are your thoughts on dealing with self-consciousness to do with our parents um oh I I haven't figured it out yet <laughs> <laughs> um I'm still really self-conscious but I 
sometimes, which is so unhealthy, I almost, I have days where I wish I still had an eating disorder because mm. it was easier. I didn't think about food and I lost weight and I stayed slim and it was easy almost because it was just part of me. And I know that's a really unhealthy way to look at it. And um, obviously I, I, I'm not like that anymore. And I get frustrated because I do enjoy food now. And that's such a thing to be, stupid thing to be frustrated with, but it's true. But I just try to be lenient with myself now, you know, like when it's the time of the month, I do, for some reason, I just eat my way through my <laughs> my fridge <laughs> uh, and I just kind of think well you know what it's like four or five days just you know get on with it it's fine exactly um but I just try and do my best you know like I, I do try to train and I train just as much for my head as I do for my body um, but I am one of those people for me if I'm doing something there's always that thing in the back of my mind like oh is this going to help me to lose weight or <laughs> whatever you know and yeah. I, I don't think I have an amazingly healthy um view on all that stuff yet but I think since having kids I look at other people's bodies and think well has she had a kid probably not you know <laughs> I myself doing that um but I can only do as, as best as I can, you know, and, and that's, what I, that's what I try and do. I love that. I love your honesty about it. And I think, you know, the thing is, even when we go on these journeys to, um, from our rock bottoms to a place where we feel happier, there's still always something more to do. You oh. never kind of, there's always a bit of, you, you think, oh, I've got it. I'm so content. I'm so good. And then you're like, oh, fuck, no. I actually, still, this is bothering me. Yeah. So, you know, it is a constant journey. I have been thinking to myself recently, though, about the body image stuff, because I've been like, right, that's my, that's my last thing. Yeah. And I think, I don't think, when I look at people on Instagram, okay, or people I follow, or people I like, or people that I admire, I'm not one of the reasons why I like or admire or follow them is because of how they look. And I think, I ne I've never looked at someone and thought, well, this girl's great, but I would like her a bit more if she was just a few kilos lighter. No, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No one's ever thought, God, I'd like her more if she was skinnier. And so I have to keep reminding myself of that, I think, that nobody likes you more or less because of the way you look. But you just, you do have to remind yourself of it all the time, don't you? Yeah, 100%. And I think that like, I'm starting to get a bit like, well, this is my body shape. All I can do is work with what I've got. You know, since having the boys... I have got stretch marks. My skin is a little bit looser and I look at other people that have had kids and they haven't got that and I'm envious of it, but I'm like, well, I can't change that. All I can do is be as healthy as I can, work out as much as I want or can mm. and that's it. There's no more I can do for those things. So what's the point exactly. in stressing about them? And not every day that's not easy, but I do try... I do try to do that. And you're right. You know, I don't look at anyone and really judge them on necessarily how they look. And you have to remind yourself of that. I think, you know, it's like when you have a spot and you think, oh, everyone's looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> you're talking to someone that has a spot and you might notice it, but that's it. It goes in your brain and out in a second. So. <laughs> totally. And you're quite, I mean, I follow you on Instagram. I, I love, you're so I find you so engaging. You're so good at chatting to camera, something that I'm absolutely awful at and never do. <laughs> um, I just get so embarrassed. But you're very open about, uh, with your followers, about saying stuff like, you know, today I have, I've had a bad day. Mm -hmm. So what do you, how do you find, do you, is it that you wake up and you just feel low? So what is a bad day for you and how do you feel that you overcome it? Um, you know, sometimes I can wake up and I'm really positive and then I find I generally go downhill as the day goes on um, and I've just learned now and it's, it's, you know, it's taken me a really long time. I've been with Wayne for 10 years now and only really now are we starting to be able to have easy conversations about 
my mental health and how I'm feeling and and me being able to ask him for what I need and him understanding that it's not because of him you know it's really difficult um but since I've been more open I do find it easier so for me if I'm having a bad day if I can if I'm having a really bad day, if it's a day where maybe the boys are at school or Wayne can take them out or whatever, I will give myself some time just to stay in bed and wallow in it for a couple of hours. Mm. Um, Cause I find avoiding my emotions is worse. You know, they're going to erupt at some point. Yeah. So I've kind of learned to give into them quicker than I did before. But obviously that's not possible every day. Um, If I need to cry, I cry because I find crying just releases everything so much quicker. Um, But also I just tell people, I tell Wayne if that's how I'm feeling that day or if I don't feel like telling Wayne, I'll just text one of my mates and they get it now. You know, it's not a shock to anyone. And I think that's been my biggest learning curve is that everyone around me knows now. They know all about it so I can just say I'm having a shit day today and I can guarantee you nine times out of ten one of them will be like yeah me too <laughs> you know? so it's you yeah. realize you're not alone um I do find talking about it on Instagram really as much as like I help other people to not feel alone they also help me to not feel alone um and that's kind of it really for me I just kind of always say you know, just getting up and having a shower is a win. If that's all you manage to do on those days when you're feeling low, that is a win. Or, you know, I just try and get outside. If even going for a walk, if you can't, haven't got the energy to do an actual workout, just a walk is enough. And it does shift your mood massively. But it's a, it is actually amazing what a good walk can do. I know. Yeah. It's so, and especially at the minute, I'm like, it kind of reminds you that the world is still turning. You know, there are still people out there, things still happening, you know, out of the confines of your house, you know. How are you finding lockdown and being at home more? Uh, I'm like, on an emotional roller coaster, I swear. Every day <laughs> I feel differently. Um, like nine times out of ten, I'm I'm liking the time with um, Wayne and the boys because before all this, I just um, trekked Namibia, so I was away for ten days. That was an emotional roller coaster in itself. Yeah. Um, I'd just done the book tour, so I was away a lot. So I really was craving some time at home. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to be careful what you wish for. (laughs) Um, So for me, at first, it was a real novelty. And still, there are days where I just love, you know, like I'm loving seeing the boys so much and being together as a family. And I know they're really liking it as well. But then I do have days where I'm like, I just want to see some other people other than your blooming faces, you know. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Yeah. And I just have days where I wake up and I'm like, right, I'm going to, sort that room out that I wanted to sort out I'm gonna go and do my workout um this that the other you know I've got all these plans and then I have days where I wake up and I've just got nothing I just don't (laughs) want to do anything so you know it's crazy I feel like that kind of happened for so many people with the the novelty of it the beginning was incredible and then now people are reaching a point where they're like okay I'm kind of done now (laughs) Yeah, I think because also we didn't know how long it was going to be, did we? I think some of us were a bit like, oh, it'll be two to three weeks and then life will go. One thousand percent. And I think now as well, we still don't know what is going to happen. You know, we know we're trying to get back to a bit of normality, but I think we're aware that normal is going to no longer be normal. Um, And I feel like we know this is kind of going to go on for like the rest of the year at least. Yeah. And you know, it's just that unknown, like I'm rubbish with the unknown. (laughs) Like that's my worst nightmare. So if you want to control things, yeah, this is a So I just, you know, I, at first I was obsessed with the news and now I just watch the, um, the, the official update. And then that's kind of all I watch now. And I don't really read anything. And I just think, Again, everyone has this pressure of like, oh, I'm going to come out of this fit and thin and I'm going to come out of this learning this. And 
I'm going to achieve all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, if you come out of this sane and healthy, then you're, you've won, you know? Oh, well, I love that. <laughs> That's so true. But it doesn't stop me from trying, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are entertaining all of us with your TikToks. Oh, God. Obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> and Wayne. I know. Did you know he had that in him? Well, you know, when I did, when I used to go on tour and stuff, he always used to get all the dancers to teach him moves, always. Um, and his, his, you know, his, um, his best uh, move is the slut drop. So he's got that <laughs> under a T. <laughs> I honestly live for it. And one you did with the boys the other day. No, oh, yeah. Oh, but it's even that is like, you know, it, it looks cute and everything, but I had to bribe them with toys. Um, there was definitely <laughs> tears and moaning at some point. So, you know. <laughs> it's all worth it. Exactly. Um, so before I leave you, I have 10 questions for you. Oh, God. Quick fire questions. Your most memorable book. My most memorable book? Um... I think it's called Five Minutes Peace. Oh, lovely. Oh, well. And the one with the elephants. When my mum always used to read it to us. Oh, cute. Maybe mm. I'll get that for Wolfie. <laughs> um, Favourite quote? It's okay not to be okay. Love. Um, your go-to feel-good film? Oh, you know what? My favourite film ever is Centre Stage. Not seen it. No, you need to watch it. It's so old school now, but it's like... A ballerina that goes like rogue and does really cool <laughs> ballet oh, performance. Yeah. A ballerina <laughs> that goes rogue. I'm in. <laughs> um, your most influential mentor. Ooh. Um. Oh, it's gonna have to be my therapist. <laughs> oh my god, that's the best answer I've had for this. <laughs> No jokes. Incredible. Um, a moment where you felt most proud? Um, hearing my son read for the first time. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> he had like speech problems and things. So that was like a real big milestone for us. Oh, <laughs> um, a song that cheers you up. Uh, ABC. Jackson 5, don't know why. Great one. <laughs> You're quick at these. Um, first three things you do when you wake up. Um, first three things I do. I, I don't know. I always force the boys to give me a cuddle in the morning because that's when they're like the best, when they're sleepy. Um, <laughs> yeah, wash my face and take probiotics. Ooh, which do you take? I'm obsessed with probiotics. Improve. Yeah, I've just started it. It's the feet. Everyone says it's incredible. Yeah, it is. It definitely. Yeah, I I think it's good. Amazing. Um, top tip for dealing with stress. I would say if you can remove yourself from the situation, and if you can't, then remind yourself that you've been in a situation like this before, and you came out the other side. That is very good advice. I like that. Um, one thing you'd like to achieve in the next year? Write another book. <gasps> really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Exciting. <laughs> How do you find writing a book, by the way? Um, uh, I actually, I told my friend the other day that I was thinking of doing another book and she said to me, oh, you told me to remember you if you ever said this to me to shake you and tell you no. <laughs> Okay, I think that answers my question. Yeah. <laughs> the first person you'd call to share good news? Wayne, if he wasn't here, but my sister, if Wayne was here. Oh, sisters are the best. Yeah. I, yeah. Mine's moved to Bermuda, so it's oh so my good. Oh, Yeah, but she yeah, will still be my sister. FaceTime loads. Yeah. Well, Frankie, I honestly have just so enjoyed this conversation and I really, I love, I love your honesty about everything. And what I love is that you're so open about still being in the journey itself mm -hmm. and you're not trying to be, okay, I went, had a breakdown and now I'm fine, everybody. So here we are. 
you know, you're really, you share your journey with people and you help so many people along the way with your vulnerability and openness. And I just think you're wonderful. And I'm so, so grateful to have had you on the show and for you to share your moments. I think they are so fascinating and I actually resonated with so much of it myself. So yeah, just a massive, massive thank you. Oh, thank you. It's nice to actually talk to you. I followed you on Instagram for so long, so it's nice to have a I know. It's, it's crazy. so funny. We all we speak about a lot of the same things. Yeah. And I, you know I always used to get you as my doppelganger. Really? Yeah, people always used to say to me. They were oh, like, you well, know you bit like Frankie from Saturday <laughs> because you're in the with the Saturdays. And I was like, Yay! <laughs> love that <laughs> um, well thank you so so much and I hope you enjoy the rest of lockdown and I can't wait to read your new book <laughs> you <laughs> thank you so much babe thanks babe thank you so much for listening to that amazing episode with Frankie Bridge now don't forget that my next online webinar is the seven step guide to manifesting where I will teach you everything you need to know to manifest the life of your dreams so if you just click on my website www.roxinafusi.com you will find all the details to join me and hundreds of other women from the comfort of your own living room see you there hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.